First of all, is my mic working at all? It is. Okay. Yeah, it all came apart uh, just before I came on stage. If somebody saw me running through the audience in a panic, that's, that's a reason for that. We're, uh, it, it still could come apart. It's literally duct taped together. <laughs> of course, a lot of my joints are duct taped together too these days. Um, closing out this series, living in a hostile culture or uh, being able to live in a hostile culture, however you want to say it. And um, for, for you that are, in fact, I'm just going to, well, I won't ask you to raise your hand. I'm just going to tell you, if you are a visitor here today, this is going to be probably the most unusual message you've ever heard, okay? So I want you to know that it's not typical. Our camera people, you're going to have an easy time with me today. I won't be roaming the stage. I'll be glued right here to the screen. Uh, this is going to be basically a, a complete teaching type of message. I'm going to let the Word of God speak to you. I know some of you guys haven't read the Bible this week, so I'm going to, I'm going to try to make up for that. We're just going to read a lot of Bible. We're going to let God speak to all of us today. But it is going to be a different kind of a message. Now, I'm going to say this. For some of you, uh, you're going to feel like, man, this is the furthest thing from what I was looking for, what I needed when I came out on a Sunday morning to come to church. I understand. For others of you, or maybe all of us in the future, this just might be the most important message you'll ever hear. I'm not saying it's going to be the most exciting. In fact, if you want me to, I'll jump up and down every so often and I'll yell just to make it more exciting because it's going to be a lot of teaching. But it might be the most important message that you'll ever hear. The most peculiar, most important. Some of you that have been followers of Christ for a long, long time and that are, that are Bible students, you're also going to hear some things this morning that are going to make you go, huh? Never heard that before. So uh, prepare yourself. This will be an interesting journey as we go today. And I'm going to be so dependent upon these screens. Let me start by asking a question. How many of you have perhaps had a time in your life where everything turned topsy-turvy and you really weren't sure how things were going to come out? I mean, things were rough. They were bad. You, you weren't sure how long it was going to last. You weren't sure how it was going to end. More importantly, you weren't sure that your life would ever again feel good, that it would ever feel good to be you, that you would ever get your life kind of back under control. Nevertheless, somehow you went through this period, this topsy-turvy period. It might have lasted a month, two months. It might have lasted a year, two years, three years, sometimes much longer. But somehow God brought you out, and man, your life is just in a better place now. And so you've had that experience. And I'm actually asking, how many have had an experience similar to that? Can I see your hands? Oh, wow. Okay, lots. All right, now, suppose... Suppose at the beginning of that experience, when you were really not sure how it was going to come out, when you didn't know what was going to happen to you, what the rest of your life was going to look like, supposing that at the very beginning, Christ would have sent an angel to you, and the angel would have told you, this, this is a message to you from the Lord. You are about to go through one of the most confusing, difficult periods of your life. But the Lord wants you to know, he promises you that in three and a half years, you will come out of this and your life will be better than you could ever imagine it being. Here's the question. How many of you would have liked to have had that angelic message at the beginning of your period of uncertainty and difficulty? I'm curious, how many would have had it? Okay, most of us again. That's what God wants to give each of us today in this message. It is a message that's going to be very specific about some events that 
are going to happen. They're predicted by God to happen. They may very well happen in our lifetime. And here's my bias in this. I, I have been pondering yourself. I became a Christian at age 23. From age 25 on, I've had this stuff twirling around in my mind, a very different view of how some of these things would come down. Through the decades, I've shared bits and pieces with some people that I felt were safe to hear it. And recently in Bible institutes and things, I've shared a little more widely. But you're going to hear some things today that, that it's okay if you say, wow, that just sounds bizarre. Maybe he's crazy. Well, maybe I am. But I want you to still have this information tucked away, internalized, so that if things come to pass the way that I suspect they will, you will not be caught by surprise. All right, we're going to go to the very end of the book of Daniel, the 12th chapter. God resolves human history. God has overseen all the events. He's going to bring things to his own type of closure. Here's how it starts, Daniel chapter 12. Michael, this is Michael the archangel. He's talked about in the book of Jude. He's talked about twice or three times in the book of Daniel. He's talked about in the book of Revelation 12. Michael, the great prince who protects your people, will arise. There will be a time of distress such as has not happened from the beginning of nations until then. But at that time, your people, everyone whose name is found written in the book of life, will be delivered. So first thing, a time of unprecedented distress among the nations. Verse 2, multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake. This is talking about a resurrection event. Some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Many will be purified. This is the good news. Many will be purified, made spotless and refined, but the wicked will continue to be wicked. None of the wicked will understand, but those who are wise will, what is the word? Will understand. I want you to understand what you may live through, what I may live through. It goes on and says this in verse 11, from the time that the daily sacrifice is abolished and the abomination that causes desolation is set up, there will be 1,290 days. That's three and a half biblical prophetic years. Biblical prophetic years were 360 days and then every six year they would add in an extra month. That's where that other 30 days comes in. So it's a, it's a little more than three and a half years. Blessed is the one who waits for and reaches the end of the 1,335 days. That adds about 75 days in total, uh, the extra month and then on another 45 days. So it's saying if you, if you make it that long, you're going to be richly blessed. Now we're going to unpack this stuff, so don't, don't think like you need to understand it right now. First of all, let's start where Daniel chapter 12, verse 1 started. A time of unprecedented trouble. Now, nobody wants to hear that. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to think about that. But if it's coming, it's better, in my opinion, to understand it and to know it than to be blindsided by it. And obviously, God feels that way, or he wouldn't tell us these kinds of things in advance. So let's look into this time of unprecedented trouble a little more thoroughly. Again, we've read already, at that time, Michael, the great prince who protects your people, will arise. There will be a time of distress such as has not happened from the beginning of nations until then. But at that time, your people, everyone whose name is found written in the book, will be delivered. Now, first of all, understand this. However tough this period gets, that passage of Scripture is saying some of God's people, if not all of God's people, will in some way or form be rescued. 
So tuck that away. Let's open this up a little bit to other portions of Scripture. Now, this is Jesus talking about the exact same period of time. Matthew 24, verse 21. He says, For there will be great tribulation, such as has not been from the beginning of the world until now, no, and never will be. And if those days had not been cut short, no human being would be what? Saved. But for the sake of the elect, the elect are just those that have trusted in God and, and are followers of Christ. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. So here's Jesus amplifying this time. He, he's saying that what Daniel talked about some 600 years before Jesus, Jesus is now saying, yes, this is going to occur. Now we're going to see behind the scenes what makes this time on earth so particularly difficult. Let's go to the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 12. It says, then war broke out, where? In heaven. Here's Michael again. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. If you read in Revelation 12, the dragon is identified as Satan. He has his angels that are loyal to him. His angels fought back, but he was not strong enough, and they lost their place the devil and his angels lost their place where? In heaven. In heaven. How many of you knew? How many of you knew that, that Satan comes and goes in and out of heaven anytime he wants? How many of you knew that? Yeah. How many of you know that, that the scripture says in Revelation 12 that he literally accuses the followers of Christ day and night in heaven? He, he tries to find fault with us. He tries to, to get God to look at us in a negative way. How many knew that? If you read Revelation 12, it's true. How many of you ever heard some preacher preach? God is so holy, he will not allow evil into his presence. How many of you ever heard preachers say something like that? Can I see your hands? Yeah. Satan's in his presence, and Satan is about as unholy as one can get. So that, that's a nonsensical teaching. Now, let me show you more about this portion of Scripture. The great dragon, this is Satan, was what? Hurled down. He's forced down. He's thrown down. The ancient serpent called the devil or Satan who leads the whole world astray, deceives the whole world. He was hurled to the, what does it say? Earth and his angels with him. Woe to the earth and the sea because the devil has gone down to you. He is filled with, what is the word? Fury. Why? Because he knows that his time is what? Pause. This time of unprecedented distress amongst the nations, Jesus called it the Great Tribulation, Daniel called it the same. Part of what the reason is, is that Satan and his angels, we don't know how many there are, are literally forced down to this earth. Now, I'm going to open this up in your minds a little bit about how to depict this, but I want to add one other verse to it from Jesus again in Matthew 24. Matthew 24, Jesus talking about this time when Satan and his angels are forced down to earth. It is part of their judgment that is impending. At that time, says Jesus, if anyone says to you, look, here's the Messiah, or there he is, do not believe it. Why, Jesus? For false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform great, what does it say? Signs and wonders. These are the same words used to describe Jesus' miracles. Jesus is saying these beings, when they are forced down to earth, they will appear and they will do the same kinds of miracles that Jesus himself did. 
but they're doing it for a different reason. Great signs and wonders to deceive, to deceive, if possible, even the elect. This is saying that they're going to be so impressive when these beings come down, when Satan and his angels are forced down to this earth and they are doing miracles on our planet. They are going to be so impressive with their deception that even those that are authentic followers of Christ will be wavering, will be wondering whether we should listen to them, follow them, embrace their message. He says, see, I have told you ahead of time. Now, here's where I want to give you a picture, and it's going to be different than some of you have ever heard before. What is this going to look like? I, I, I mean, when Satan and his angels are hurled to the earth, when they suddenly appear as false messiahs, false Christs, false rescuers, what you don't know is that prior to this time, for about three and a half years, the earth has been in a bad, bad situation. When you study the book of Revelation, the book of Revelation is all about sevens. In chapter 2 and 3, you have letters to the seven churches. The churches are typological, typological of all churches. Then when you get into Revelation chapter 6, you have this, this document that's about to be opened in heaven, but it's wrapped around with seven seals. When you come to this portion of Scripture, those seven seals have all been opened. When you look at those seven seals, when you get to about the fourth seal, wars have broken out all across the planet to the point that one-fourth of the Earth's population is dead. And this is all within a very short period of time. There's about 8 billion people alive right, right now. That means about 2 billion people will die. It says in Revelation 6, if you read about these seal judgments, there's wars, there's plagues, there's disease, there's lots of other things going on, but about a quarter of the planet is dead when these false Christs arrive on planet Earth doing miracles. They are going to come as our saviors, and I'm going to give you a suggestion as to what I think their storyline will be. It's a storyline that's been popularized for nearly 70 years now. How many of you have ever, when you were a kid, you, you liked to watch space movies? Can I see your hands? Yeah, I mean, I used to love them, you know. A War of the Worlds and uh, Independence Day. I wasn't a kid when that came out. Picture, picture, War of the Worlds actually was. Uh, they had the new version of War of the Worlds, but they had a version when I was a kid too. Um, not as cool with the special effects. Picture literal craft coming down and these entities that then masquerade on the planet as false Christs picture that as a possible scenario I said possible I know when we think about Satan coming down and his uh, his angels with him we, we picture something ethereal and wispy and invisible you know they're just kind of in an invisible presence among us I'm begging you consider another option we, we have been set up for nearly 70 years to believe the lie that life can evolve anywhere and if it's happened elsewhere in the universe, statistical probabilities necessitates that it would have happened in our part of the universe. Therefore, alien life must be there. It's just that we haven't contacted them yet. Our government, I said this a couple weeks ago, our Pentagon has now admitted for the first time UFOs are real. We don't know what they are. We don't know why they're here. We don't know how they do what they do. We don't know what their motivation is, but they're acknowledging they're real. And here's what I'm trying to get across to you. I believe the way this is likely to happen, and I've shared this off and on for over 20 years with, with few people here and there. I believe this will be very much like a science fiction movie. We will see. These entities, think of them coming down in crafts, real technology. 
and then saying that they planted life on our planet. And one of them perhaps saying, I was the one that headed up the project, so technically speaking, I I'm your creator. In fact, I, I visited here 2,000 years ago, and, and you guys kind of called me the Christ, the Messiah, and it didn't go as the way that we hoped it would. But, but now we're back because you're in such a time of trouble. You, you have all these terrible things going on in your planet, the plagues, the death, the wars, and, and we've come back to help you because there's even another threat that's on the way. There are other hostile alien populations that have designs on your earth, and we are coming here to protect you before they arrive. You know who the other alien uh, hostile aliens are when you read the book of Revelation chapter 19 verses 14 and 19 it's literally Jesus and the armies of God returning at his second coming that these entities are going to set humanity up to think are our enemies you'll, you'll see that as we read some verses later now I'm going to give you something real quick you can take a picture of the screen if I can go to that next slide you can take a picture of the screen you can write these down whenever it's fastest for you I urge you strongly, read these portions of Scripture on your own. What you will find is this. They talk about, in the Old Testament, God having thousands and thousands and innumerable chariots of fire, like clouds. We get a picture of these chariots of fire. In fact, Isaiah 66 says, verse 15, specifically, they will appear at the second coming. Of Christ that's how God will come with his armies these chariots of fire picture you're an ancient person you don't know what what a craft is you, you don't know what a spacecraft is or or an airplane the only thing you've ever seen that's fast is a chariot but you see the chariot up in the sky and perhaps there's some kind of a field coming out of it you say chariot of fire we see these chariots of fire in 2nd Kings 2 11 how many remember a guy named Elijah Elijah the prophet how many know that he never died never died he was taken up alive, it says, in a whirlwind, some kind of a vortex, some kind of an energy field, into one of these chariots of fire. Read about it on your own. They appear again in 2 Kings chapter 6. They're all around a mountain protecting Elisha the prophet, and he asked God to open his servant's eyes to see it. What I'm trying to say is there are strong hints of technological use in the kingdom of God. I don't know why this would be a bothersome thing to us. We, we want to think that the angels can just kind of transport without anything. And maybe they can, but maybe they use technology. And I'm strongly urging you to consider they do because we're being set up for the deception. The deception has been long time coming. I believe our government has known much, much more about all this than what they've told us for the past 70 years. They've tried to suppress this truth, but I think they know they're running out of time. All right, all right, so, so I've taken you to crazy land. Let, let me go on. <laughs> but tuck it away, because the last great deception, that's how it's going to come down. All right, now Daniel talked about not just a time of unprecedented trouble. He said there will be a resurrection that occurs at the end of this time. So a resurrection following the time of unprecedented trouble. Let's look at it. We'll review it again. Daniel chapter 12, verse 2, it says, Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. Jesus talked about two different resurrections in John chapter 5. You're going to see in a minute that these two different resurrections are literally 1,000 years separated. But there is a resurrection at the time of this unprecedented trouble. 
Let's look on. Let's let Revelation amplify this for us. Revelation chapter 20, the Apostle John looking in, he says, I saw thrones which were seated those who had been given authority to judge. And I saw the souls of those who had been, what is the word? Beheaded. Hmm, that's weird. Anybody know who does beheadings? Anybody have a, have a thought? You ever heard of beheadings in this day and age? Yeah, there's only one group on the planet that does beheadings today. Do I need to say it? Okay. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony about Jesus. Their heads were lopped off because they were faithful to Jesus. And because of their faithfulness to the word of God, they had not worshipped the beast. I'll amplify what this beast is. Or its image and had not received its mark on their foreheads or hands. I'll amplify that a little further in the message. They came to life, and they reigned with Christ how long? A thousand years. Here's that resurrection Daniel's talking about, some 700 years before John sees this vision in about A.D. 96. Now it goes on. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were what? Ended. Daniel says there's going to be a, a rising of those that rise to everlasting life and those that... Uh, arise to everlasting contempt now this is what you got to get down because this is going to this is going to give you an understanding of the bible that some of you have never had before and it it will be valuable to you this is the what resurrection first this is the first resurrection blessed and holy are those who share in the what resurrection first resurrection the second death has no power over them. As you read Revelation 20, the last verses, the second death is the final judgment of all that refuse God's grace and trust. But what I want you to understand, the first resurrection comes after the time of tribulation, according to Daniel. The first resurrection, everybody that takes part in it, is blessed and holy. How many, I want to be in the first resurrection. Do you want to be in the first resurrection? I, I, I'm, I'm going to just say, I want to be in the first resurrection. All right, let's look very carefully at other portions of Scripture that speaks specifically about this same event. Here we go. 1 Corinthians 15. The Apostle Paul speaking, he says, Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep. Sleep was just a term used for death amongst the Christians then. doesn't mean your soul sleeps. It meant your body slept. Your soul, spirit goes to be with the Lord immediately at death. The Scripture reiterates that. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed, transformed, in other words, in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, when... At the last, last, now, if you're counting down trumpets, which one is the last? Are there any trumpets after the last? No, okay, so it's the last. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed, meaning those that are alive on earth when this event happens when this resurrection event happens at the last trumpet. Let's look at the same event in, a, in another portion of Scripture. The Apostle Paul is speaking to the Thessalonian Christians. He says, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the who angel? Michael is called an archangel. You can read about it in Jude chapter 1, verse 9. Again, he's in Daniel chapter 10 two times, Daniel chapter 12. Michael, the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, likely Michael, and with the who of God? Trumpet. We just read about that trumpet a minute ago, the last trumpet. The trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first, but don't stop there. 
after that, we who are still, what is the word? Alive. And our left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so will we be with the Lord forever. It's the exact same first resurrection. Blessed and holy are those that partake in the first resurrection. Now let's listen to Jesus talk about the first resurrection. Matthew 24, 29. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, that's what Daniel talked about, the tribulation, Daniel chapter 12, verse 1. Jesus talked about it again. Immediately after, what does after mean? Does that give you a sense of timing? Immediately after. So the tribulation of those days are completed. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven. Read those verses about the clouds and vehicles, the chariots of God, which are innumerable. The clouds of heaven with power and great glory and he will send out who his angels whoa wait a minute his angels i thought it was it was jesus that's going to do the catching up and the resurrection he will send out his angels with a loud what now we've heard that trumpet again and again every passage about this resurrection the first resurrection blessed and holy it's always about the trumpet with a loud trumpet call and they will gather his who that's the term used for followers of Christ. So the angels, not Jesus, the angels will gather his elect. How is Elijah taken up to heaven without dying? A chariot of fire appears in the sky. And the scripture says in 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 11, some sort of a vortex caught him up into this vehicle angelic vehicles and he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call and they they the angels will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of the heaven to the other it's talking about the same exact resurrection event but Jesus added something to it a chronological piece it is the only time reference in the entire Bible to when the first resurrection call it the rapture if you will if you're alive on earth it's a rapture if you're dead your body and spirit are melded together and you are immortalized but Jesus has the only reference in the entire Bible to exactly when this resurrection will occur and we have it right here immediately what is that word after the what now I know some of you the only teaching that you've ever had about the second coming of Christ says something like Jesus will return secretly and he will whisk away his people seven years before the tribulation you will not find cover to cover you will not find one verse in the Bible that says that You'll say, but, but Randy, doesn't it say something, something like, you know, we're not appointed to wrath, we're appointed to salvation through Jesus. Yes, it does say that. But that doesn't mean that we don't go through the tribulation. What if God has a purpose for his people to go through and to be here until the end of it all? What about the multiple references in the book of Revelation where God's people are very much on earth, very much in the tribulation, very much staying loyal to Jesus until the end? I mean, I, I just think it's foolhardy to ignore these things. And I know some of you are really, bright. oh, man, this is a bummer. Randy, you're telling us we as loyal followers of Jesus have to go through the tribulation. That's what the Scripture teaches very clearly if we look at it with clean eyes. 
all the arguments for some sort of a pre-tribulational rapture they're, they're based on suppositions and hopes vain hopes the whole doctrine didn't really get catch any wind until the 1827 a guy named darby over in uh, england started it and then silas Schofield kind of caught on to it here in, in america and he passed it on to lewis perry chafer the founder of Dal dallas theological seminary next thing you know americans don't know there's any other position other than a pre-tribulational rapture it's a rather new teaching and it doesn't have scriptural backing you've read it with your own clean eyes after after the tribulation his angels come and lift us out of here the same way they lifted elijah out of here and perhaps into vehicles where this transformation this immortalization of our bodies takes place i don't know that's speculative so we have a time of tribulation unprecedented we have a resurrection not of all but of those that are loyal to god and it happens after the tribula tribulation which we're going to now see that there's a major sign that precedes that time a major sign preceding the time of unprecedented trouble in other words god wants us to know when this thing's going to start he he doesn't want us to be caught unaware he wants us to know exactly what's going to be the trigger for this time of tribulation occurring on earth because he wants his people to be prepared so let's look at Daniel chapter 12 once again from the time that the daily sacrifice is abolished and the abomination that causes desolation is set up there will be 1290 days again that's about three and a half prophetic years plus an additional 30 days one of those intercalary years where you had to every six years you had to add a month blessed is the one who waits for and reaches the end of the 1335 days 45 days past that so Daniel is saying there's going to be this event there's going to be an end to the daily sacrifices now the temple in Jerusalem was destroyed in 70 AD and that ended all the sacrifices there has been no temple now in existence for 1952 years so I am telling you this event this start of what we commonly know in Christendom as the great tribulation it cannot happen right now there is no temple in Jerusalem there are no sacrifices there's multiple problems the the site for the temple that most Jews believe where it should be is up on you know the the mount uh, where they've got the Dome of the Rock and it's one of the most holy places third most holy place of Islam and so forth however there are some Christian archaeologists that believe the temple was really built elsewhere in the city of David which is an interesting theory but here, here's the important thing there is no temple now there are no sacrifices this cannot yet happen however there is a group and you look at this up on your own called the templeinstitute.org kind of put that in your mind you can look it up on your own the templeinstitute.org and they have been planning for years to rebuild the temple they have done uh, all the work doing the priestly furnishings and articles that need to go into the temple they are preparing uh, a special heifer a red heifer that needs to be burnt and its ashes used to pro pro provide a cleansing for the temple sacrifices to start again these people are real they're the real deal read about it on your own templeinstitute.org so they very much want to build a temple rebuild a temple they are very much preparing for it this is happening now in our lifetime after 1952 years of no temple no sacrifices now they're ramping this thing up so it tells us that that we're living in a very very unusual time 
I said before, we're living in a time where there's this convergence of technology, Bible prophecy, and lots of other factors that make us in a very unique place. So when the daily sacrifice stops, and when this thing, whatever this abomination of desolation is, is set up, uh, that's the start of the last essential three and a half years, a little bit more than three and a half years, before Christ returns. Now, remember I, I asked you in the beginning, I said, you know, did you go through a bad time, maybe in your life, a very confusing time? And I said, uh, would it have been helpful if an angel would have come to you and said, this thing is only going to last three and a half years, but you're going to come out of it just wonderful? And we almost all said, yeah, I'd I would have liked to have known that. That would have helped. Because when you're going through something bad and it's uncertain, you don't know when it's going to end. You don't know how it's going to end. It would be great to know in the beginning how it's going to end and when it's going to end. And that's exactly what God has provided for his people. So this is an unmistakable sign. And we're going to, you know, embellish it a little bit more, make it even more clear to you. So let me go to another scripture. Jesus talks about the same thing. Matthew 24, by the way, I mentioned it last week. There are 18 different signs that Jesus gives in Matthew 24 that must happen before he returns. Um, people think that he could come at any time. They just don't read their Bible very carefully. Uh, there's multiple things, one of which the temple has to be reinstituted. There has to be the reinstitution of sacrifices. So Jesus says, when you see standing in the holy place the abomination that causes desolation, he's quoting Daniel here. He is saying what Daniel had said some 600 years earlier, spoken through the prophet Daniel, let the reader what? All right, here's what we understand so far. We know that it's going to mean sacrifices had been reinstituted, but something stops them. We know that right now there is no temple, there are no sacrifices, so it can't happen now. But something's going to happen that causes the temple or at least the sacrifices to be reinstituted and then something's going to stop them. And then there's going to be something, this abomination, that causes desolation. Let, let's look a little bit more about that. For then, when this abomination that causes desolation appears, for then there will be great tribulation such as has not been from the beginning of the world until now and no never will be it's the start of the great tribulation but but let's get more information about it daniel in chapter 11 talks about this individual this presence this entity this king he says the king will do as he pleases he will exalt and magnify himself above every what every god this is a humanoid we think who says they are higher than anything that we call God on this planet and will say unheard of things against the God of gods. So this individual will say terrible things about the true God, slander the true God. How many of you know that in Gnostic writings, the good guy in the Gnostic writings is the light bearer who is Lucifer? How many of you knew that? Okay. The bad guy is Yahweh, the real God. Because Yahweh withheld knowledge from Adam and Eve. Lucifer gave them knowledge of the tree and good and evil. Luciferian worship has gone all through ancient history, all into present time. It's, it's infiltrated things like the, the, masonry, uh, the masons and so forth. Anyway, he says, He will exalt himself above every god and will say unheard of things against the god of gods. He will say the god of gods is he and his forces are going to come back and try to take this planet from you. Satan and his cohorts will say we're here because we planted life on your planet and we're now going to protect you from these invaders that are to come. He will be successful until the time of wrath. That's the time when God's letting everything kind of collapse under its own weight. For what has been determined 
must take place. Now let me add to this more. In the New Testament book of 2 Thessalonians, the apostle Paul says, he, he's talking about this entity, this king who claims to be above God. He says, he will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshiped so that he sets himself up in where? God's temple. Pause. When Paul wrote this, the Jewish temple was still standing. The sacrifices were still being held. It, it would be uh, another couple, 20 years or more before Titus would come and destroy Jerusalem and the temple in 70 AD. When Paul's talking about God's temple, he is not talking about the church of Christ. He is talking about the literal, physical temple that was still functioning at that time. This entity will exalt himself over everything that is called God or his worship so that he sets himself up in God's temple proclaiming himself to be God. Here's how it might come down. I mentioned it earlier. An entity that comes back with Satan and his angels, one of them says, well, technically I was head of the project to start life on your planet. We tinkered with some humanoid DNA. You know, we found some things on your planet, some life forms. And so technically I am what you would call God, I'm your creator. And he may even say, I visited here, as I said earlier, 2,000 years earlier, you called me Jesus. Please be prepared with that kind of a deception. It's, it's not gonna be a real obvious thing. And I'm gonna tell you what's gonna happen here. If an, first of all, if we have this mass invasion of these entities that come back to protect us and save us, and they do the same kind of miracles that Jesus himself did, and one of them claims to be our creator, multitudes of churches will empty out people will throw their bibles in the trash can people will walk away from hinduism walk away from buddhism even walk away from islam walk away from judaism multitude because they will say you see all of your religious writings are just fragmentary pieces of the truth we would interact with you and reveal things to you guys but now you know the truth we're just more highly evolved entities than you life is all through the universe we've come back to get you through this bumpy time and we're going to help you evolve and take the next step the bible the same bible that says this verse talks about in apostasy a couple of verses earlier a falling away from the faith all kinds of faiths that will occur at this particular era in history and the reason that multitudes will walk away is because the alien deception will be convincing to many, many people. Now, when I say alien, I'm talking about angels, fallen angels, satanic angels. So this individual will sit in a real temple. We don't have a temple yet, so this can't happen is what I'm trying to get across to you, but it will happen. An individual will sit in the temple, proclaim to be our creator, and that's part of the abomination that causes desolation. Let me go on. Revelation 13 here it's looking at that same individual, the same king, the same one that comes into the temple and claims to be God. This time the individual is called a beast. The beast was given a mouth to utter proud words and blasphemies and to exercise its authority for 42 months. That's 1,260 prophetic days. Daniel talks about 1,290 days in 1335. It's a little further. He opened his mouth to blaspheme God. That means he, he's saying terrible, false things about God and to slander his name and his what? His dwelling. He's going to say terrible things about heaven. Heaven is this terrible society. They're very militaristic. They're coming for your planet. They want to pillage. We're here to protect you, Satan and his angels will say, and, and place those who live, and excuse me, he'll, he'll slander his dwelling place and those who live in heaven, meaning the armies of heaven itself. He'll say that they're evil, they're not good. 
This is the it was given power. It, notice it's called it, this beast, this king. I think it's likely to be a hybrid. Uh, I don't have the time to tell you why. Now, it was given power to wage war against who? God's holy people. So this entity, this, this last world leader, he'll wage war against God. Wait, wait a minute, Randy. How can he wage war against God's holy people? They've all been raptured seven years earlier. Well, somebody's here masquerading as God's holy people that this entity will wage war with. And my, my point is that there's not going to be any rapture seven years before the tribulation. He was given power to wage war against God's holy people and to do what to them? Conquer them. And it was given authority over every tribe and people and language and nation. Next. It, notice the beast, the entity is called an it. It also forced all people, great and small, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or in their foreheads so that they could not do what? Buy or what? Sell. How many of you have went to the grocery store or to the gas station this week? Can I see your hands? You had to buy something, didn't you? This is saying that you and I won't be able to buy or sell unless. So they could not buy or sell unless they had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of his name. There's going to be a worldwide economic system instituted. We're, we're right on the edge of it right now. They're talking about uh, so, some sort of a global digital currency. When that happens, we're in trouble, folks, because they can then surveil and monitor every purchase that anyone makes at any time. They can cut your, your money off, my money off, anytime they want. If we say one thing bad about the global agenda, we could be suddenly those that have no access to food to gas, to any of the things that we need. He forces. Now, you say, Randy, he, mean, he, he like holds them down? No, 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 no. When it says he forces, it's saying people will have to make a decision at that time. The decision will be, I'm either going to loyally devote myself to the new world order, the global world order led by the beast, the false Christ, the false creator who's come down and declared himself God. I'm either going to be loyal to that entity and to that regime or I'm going to have to find a new way to exist. I'm going to have to find a new way to get food, a new way to get water, a new way to survive or not survive. Because the scripture says in Revelation, blessed are those who die during this time in the Lord for their deeds will follow them. And so many will die during this time. So this is the kind of power that will be asserted during this time. Now I want to close with this, a final consideration. Because right now, a lot of you are thinking, Dude, I wish I hadn't come out this morning. <laughs> I could have done without this. My bank account's down, you know. I got problems relationally, and, and I'm not feeling that great physically. <laughs> okay, here's the upshot, the bright side, if you want to look at it, this thing. A final consideration about the time of unprecedented trouble. Here's a verse from Daniel once again. Daniel chapter 12 verse 3 it says those who are wise and he means those who know what the heck is going to happen he's opened it up for us those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens and those who do what lead many to what righteousness 
And this tells me that during this entire difficult time on earth, the most unprecedented difficult time the earth has ever seen, there's still going to be loyal followers of Jesus who are going to be telling people the truth about God and about life, seeking to bring people to Christ, and will successfully bring people to Christ, even during the hardest times in human history, even when it means that they're going to likely have their, their main assets for survival cut off by becoming loyal to Jesus. Some will still become loyal to Jesus during this time. Even though we're going to be depicted as enemies, the, the beast will say, we're the ones that are corrupting society with a false message. They're the saviors. We're talking about some savior, but he's really the enemy. When he comes with his angels, that's the dark side. The good angels, they'll say, are here. So, so we'll be depicted. Christians, that's why Jesus said, everybody will hate us in Matthew 24. Read it on your own sometime. Because we will be depicted we that are loyal to Christ as troublemakers, as those that are, that are almost like uh, spies for the in, incoming enemy to come. But nevertheless, some of us sitting in this room, I, su I suspect, will be faithful to Christ till the very end. We'll be loyal. We'll be telling people about Christ. How many of you know that if you, if you see a temple and you see sacrifices ending and you see some kind of abomination on the temple mount, someone claiming to be Christ our creator, putting up a statue image that can talk and surveil and even cause people to come to death, Revelation 13 talked about If you see that happening as a follower of Christ now, you know you're at the start of the great tribulation and you've got about three and a half years. How many would, would think that you would probably be a little bit more bold to talk about Christ? To others than what you might be now how, how many think yeah if I, if I knew we're in the last countdown three and a half years I think I'm gonna be a little more bold and think of the message you can tell them you can say listen this is exactly what Christ predicted this is exactly what the Bible predicted we are in the midst of it don't worship this beast don't take that mark don't let your go, let go of your eternal destiny we will have we'll have a, a new boldness to share Christ at least some of us will but some of us may not because it will, it will be costly. But some are going to shine like the brightness of the heavens. You're going to lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Many will be, what is the word? Purified, made spotless and refined. Remember Jesus says in Luke chapter 8, verse 11, he says, you know, some of us, when we get the seed of the word of God, the word of the kingdom in us, we, we're, we're like soil that was full of thorns and, and that, that as the good seed of the kingdom of God starts working in our hearts and minds, we get distracted. It says that we start getting absorbed with the worries of this life and pleasures of this life and riches. Three things, Jesus says, it starts to crowd out the effect of the word of God in our hearts. Well, during this time, when there's not much around to do except try to stay alive and serve God, we will be purified. Many will be purified. Our motives will be purified. Our morals will be purified. Our busy, overcrowded lives will be purified. So the good news is many are going to be led to righteousness. Some of you are going to be great servants of God. You're going to shine like never before, and your Christ-likeness is going to take on new proportions that it's never had during this time because you know you're in the last stretch and, and you know it's going to matter many are going to be made spotless and refined but but the wicked will continue to be wicked none of the wicked will understand but those who are wise will what 
We all know that the mass majority of people in our world, they don't know Bible prophecy. They don't know that the Bible predicts the future. They don't know that it talks specifically about multiple events that are going to happen in the nations and, and all these things. They don't know. They don't care, and that's why they don't know. And that's what this is talking about. But you all know at this point. Now, the question will be, what will we do with what we know? Will it make us wise? Or will it make us wicked? That's the thing that our wills will, will decide. So let me close with these thoughts. An unprecedented time of trouble will give birth to an unprecedented time of joy. After this three and a half years, it says if you live for the 13, 30, 1335 days, you will be blessed. We will see the kingdom of God. We will see the return of Christ. We will see the judgment of the nations, Matthew 25, verse 31 through 46. We will see the rebuilding of the temple, this time by the real Messiah. We will see the renovation of planet Earth. We will see the beginning of the millennium, the thousand-year rule and reign of Christ on Earth before the final kingdom, the new heaven and new earth in Revelation 21. We'll live to see that stuff. We'll rule and reign with Christ if we're loyal to him for the rest of our days. So, here's the final thought. The wise will understand and be purified. We'll grow during this time. The harder it gets, the purer we'll get. The more we'll, we'll proclaim Christ to others. And we'll lead many to righteousness. But the wicked won't understand, and the wicked will remain wicked. If you forget the content of this message, be careful because this is a loving God who cares so much that he wants us to know what's coming and be aware and be warned. You say, Randy, do you, do you think this is going to start like tomorrow? No, I don't. Uh, here's what I do believe. I, I, I believe if we're wise, we will be very carefully watching the next 10 years because the multiple prophecies that I, if I had time I could tell you about, they could start to happen very rapidly. There's going to be multiple wars in the Middle East. There's going to be other triggering events as well. It almost sounds like in Revelation 6, like a, a possible polar shift. Uh, a lot of the volcanoes and, and uh, you know, all, all the other phenomena, geological phenomena, could be related to a polar shift. Anyway, I think we have some time, and we might have 20, 30 years, 40 years. I don't, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not setting dates. But I believe our time should be looked at in increments of 10 years. Be wise, be prayerful, keep your eyes on the Middle East, keep your eyes on world events, keep your eyes and your heart in God's Word because that is where we'll find our safety and that's where we'll find our strength for whatever, whatever life dishes out. And here's the last thought, man. If we're that generation, like I said last, last week, thank God, what an unspeakable privilege that we have been called to be. Of all the generations we could have been born in, we're called to live in such a time as this, to honor God and to give Him our very best at the time in human history when it's going to count the very most. Hope it didn't bum you out. Hope I inspired you. Hope I challenged you. Let's pray. Father, you knew, know each one of us. You know what's going on in our lives. You know the complexities. You know the fearfulness that some of us have. Give us a spirit of faith, a spirit of confidence in you, not in ourselves, that whatever you call us to be in and call us to do, you will equip us to do. Give us that confidence and help us to make wise decisions, to change priorities perhaps in our life, to, to start purifying our lives the way we know you want us to even now. 
We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.